Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Sip With Me. I'm your host, Iwana Kekados. And I'm your host, Aaron Carlson. We'll release an episode for you every Monday at 10.30 a.m. Central Time, which means you can listen to us during your commute, after work workout, or even enjoy a drink with us during your very own Monday night happy hour. And who doesn't like to have a little fun on a Monday night? Don't forget to download all of our recipes on sipwithme.org. And be sure to check out our mystery bartender, whip up all of our favorite drink recipes on our TikTok at sipwithme underscore. Hey guys, and welcome to the sixth official episode of season three. For this week's cocktail, we have a very special guest bartender who will share one of her many specialty quarantini cocktails. This must be the place. Hello, dear listener. My name is Lizzie Vanderhoof, and I have a great story for you and a great cocktail. I lived in Chicago from 2006 to 2017. I worked as an executive assistant, a yoga teacher, and a bartender, as well as many other things. I moved to New Zealand to teach yoga and bartend from 2017 to 2019. In 2019, I moved back stateside to Kansas City, Missouri to be near family, and back to Chicago in March of 2020 to teach cocktail classes. My timing was impeccable. I was canceled nearly immediately after I moved, and I took what ended up being an expensive, lonely, three-month-long sabbatical to Chicago to write a cocktail book. I made something different to drink uh, for 80 days, and I hope to self-publish uh, a cocktail uh, recipe book called Around the Apartment in 80 Days, A Bartender's Guide Through Quarantine very soon. One of my favorites was number 57. It's called This Must Be the Place, named after the Talking Head song. I find the cocktail an emblem of my time in Chicago, trying to find comfort in discomfort and uncertainty and searching for a sense of home. You use two ounces of a blended Highland Scotch, an ounce and a half of cherry juice, one ounce of cold brew coffee, three-fourths ounces of rich, simple syrup. It's made with a turbinado sugar. It's darker, richer, absolutely delicious. And a half an ounce of fresh lemon juice, four dashes of a black walnut bitter, Put that in something you can shake and shake it really hard until it gets really frothy and nice and cold. And then I served it up in a glass without any ice, garnished with a few uh, blackberries because uh, the color was absolutely perfect together. I hope you enjoy the cocktail. This is the place to get a good cocktail recipe. So grab your cocktail and let's catch up with one of our fave true crime duos, Basic Murder Babes. Welcome back to episode six. We are so beyond excited to have the bomb.com hosts of one of our favorite podcasts. Uh, Iwan and I really have been following them for months, ever since we started our own podcast, and they have been major inspiration for us. You may know them as basic murder babes, but in my mind, they are anything but. Sierra and Kelsey are best friends like us who, per their bio, talk crime, murder, drink along the way, and give their theories behind some of the most attention-grabbing stories that we've seen featured on True Crime Podcasts. So Sierra and Kelsey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Of course. Um, so first, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Like, tell us about the founding of it, how you guys met, with the structure of it. Give us the whole lay of the land. All right, you want to um, talk? You want to me too? <laughs> okay, I'll talk a little bit and then you can talk some more. Okay. Okay, so basically, we, Sierra is actually the person that got me into true crime. I had no idea that there was podcasts about true crime. Um, 
you know, I, I had liked the shows on ID and things like that, but I never knew about podcasts. So she told me one day, you know, like, you should listen to this podcast. It's really awesome. I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. Hooked as soon as I started listening. Which one so, is it? Um, it was my favorite murder. So I started mm-hmm. listening to that one. Um, they were pretty good. So I liked it. And then I got into a few others that she suggested. And then from there, I kind of was like, all right, I need my own podcast. Like this is yes. not enough for me. <laughs> so um, I put a Facebook post on my Facebook and Sierra and I had already been friends, all that good stuff. And I was like, you know, who wants to start a podcast with me? Really? I just want to drink wine, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and talk about true crime. So who wants to do it? And of course, Sierra was down for it. And go ahead, Sierra. I was a little, a little offended that she didn't immediately <laughs> ask me. You know? Like it was kind of hey like now, a, me, duh. Like, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, like a little, like a hint, hint. You know, like yeah. Sierra, <laughs> without having to like tell her like outright, like, hey, can we start a podcast? Like, I kind of wanted her to be like, yeah. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Yeah. so, yeah. What is the like? how did you decide to structure it? Like what stories do you tell? Um, and like kind of what's the format? Um, so my favorite murder was the first one that I got her into. And then after that, I started listening to moms and murder and we actually went to a moms and murder live show together and it was amazing. Oh, that's awesome. So <laughs> moms and murder is definitely our inspiration, I guess. Um, yes. stories, one story a week, uh, whereas my favorite murder just the two. Um, and I think it was more like, this is for fun, but we're not trying to make a full-time job out of this. So let's not give us too much work. I'll do one and then you'll do one and then I'll do one and then you'll do one. So that way we kind of like, don't both have to research so much every single week. We get a week break. Yes. Oh, I love that. I like that. You need that, (laughs) Erin. So we're kind of very similar to that. I mean, we're two best friends. Um, I was thinking about starting a podcast and then it made sense to bring Aaron on because of us being best friends for so long and kind of sharing the similar interests. Um, so I'd love for you guys to also just kind of take me through uh, your background individually and kind of where you guys got started um, and what really uh, brought you guys um, into true crime individually. Okay. Go ahead, Sierra. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm from Ohio. And Ohio is kind of just like a creepy state. I don't know if other people feel that <laughs> way, but it's it's kind of creepy, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yes, it's such weird. A vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, creepy stuff has always been interesting to me and my family. My dad used to literally chase us around in a Michael Myers costume with a knife in the house, and it was funny, <laughs> but it wasn't Halloween, so it was it was strange. Um, really the the creepy stuff was always the true crime stuff came in ninth grade my grandfather was murdered um and i went to the scene after you know after police were finished with everything um my grandfather didn't have great insurance so he couldn't you know with the money that he left behind hire people to clean it so me and my dad actually cleaned the crime scene together um and it was it was scary and creepy and gross and sad. But at the same time, I was like, wow, like something crazy happened here. And like, they figured it out so fast. Like, how do they do this? And it just made me like, I don't know. I felt like I went into detective mode, you know? And I was like, I can, I can do this for a while. Wow. Yeah. 
So for me, um, my mom had always been into true crime. She'd always followed, you know, cases on TV and watched ID and Law and Order and things like that. So it was kind of always around when I was growing up. But my biggest thing that really got me into true crime was the Scott Peterson case. I remember yeah. my mom mm -hmm. watching it live every day um, and just kind of going along with her, watching it, seeing what's going on. Um, I'm from California, so, you know, a lot of big cases happened in California. Mm -hmm. So I just had that true crime stuff all around me, um, you know, and I just, I loved it. I love true crime. So I love just from beginning to end, the case, the, the what happened, everything. So I love it all. Those are two, like, powerful stories. Mm -hmm. and, like, yeah. <laughs> Um, what is like the, the inspiration and the process for picking what stories you tell? Because you've had some like pretty, like I mentioned in the intro, like you have a lot of like different stories. You have some that are like really fun, some that are just like really quirky, some that are like bigger and well known. How do you guys pick? Um, for a while, it was really hard <laughs> uh, yeah. because there's so many things that interest us. We like to do ones that, you know, if they are well known, they weren't covered on one of the big true crime mm -hmm. podcasts in a while um, mm -hmm. because, you know, people don't want to listen to my favorite murders episode and then come listen to my episode. Like, it's yeah. not like that. Um, but sometimes the big ones are really interesting and we just want to, yeah. we're talking to each other when we're doing this. Like, yes, we want people to listen, but I'm talking to her or she's talking to me. So she brings something that she is really fascinated by and explains it to me. And then I do the same with her. Um, but for a while, it was so hard that we were both like researching two or three episodes or stories at a time for one episode. Like, I can't decide. So mm -hmm. more recently, we started doing topics of the month. That way we can kind of limit ourselves so we're not, you know, overwhelmed by all these different stories we eventually want to talk about. Absolutely. I think a big thing for me is I like to watch stuff and then research it. So if I can watch a documentary or a TV show about a case, I'm all for it. So that's, you know, usually why I go for the bigger things, the bigger known cases, like I did Ed Kemper. Um, I think that was my favorite one. So I just, I like watching things and being able to just kind of see the story play out and then having a picture in my mind while I'm researching. It's pretty, oh, Erin. No, go ahead. Um, I just think it's pretty amazing. Uh, we kind of touched on this before we started recording too. Um, how we kind of saw you as one of the first true crime podcasts we saw on Instagram and to see how much you guys have grown um, and how big of an audience you guys are getting. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So I would like to know kind of where you guys headed. Um, I know with COVID, you guys, are you guys apart? Um, that's something I'd like to know, as well as what are your future plans? What are your hopes for the podcast? Well, <laughs> um, so we are a part, I live in Tennessee, she lives in Alabama. Um, okay. I did live in Alabama. We met in Alabama, although at the time I was living in Florida. Um, <laughs> I move a lot. Yeah. Don't. But, <laughs> but yeah, so we record on Zoom or Skype okay. every time we record because we are a part. Um, Kelsey just had some crazy life-changing uh things fall into her lap so the podcast yes. is actually headed to be just me uh, yeah, which is well, really sad yeah i know i <laughs> know that's sad to hear <laughs> I, i'm gonna try to replace her but it's very hard to replace someone <laughs> like kelsey so 
I'm not so sure. I'm replacing you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's fine. So I really will tank. There you go. You guys can have like a threesome time. Mm, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Unfortunately and not unfortunately, I had a huge job promotion. Um, not so much in my, yeah. So it's something that's going to really just launch awesome. my career as a whole and you know that's that's something that you work for all your life and it's yeah. unfortunately really sad that I have to give up the podcast but I know Sierra is gonna do it so much justice and she's she's got this 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 has been her whole thing this whole time I've just been kind of like along for the ride she's the brains of the operation so you she knows what she's doing <laughs> you guys are uh, that is like it warms my heart to hear all that. Oh. <laughs> I know one day that's going to happen to us. And oh, my God. Like, I don't know. I don't know if we'll handle it as mature. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not ready for that. Yeah, it's hard. It's definitely hard. And I'm, like, going back and forth, like, can I, can I? And my husband's like, you got to look at the big picture. You, yeah. You, you know, I know you love it, but you got to look at the big picture. So, but again, she's she's got this. She'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't have any more questions. If you don't, Iwana, um, should we jump into this week's story? Yes. So this particular case, um, I kind of, it's one of my favorite stories uh, because it's not really that talked about. Um, I think I had first seen it on um, Bailey Sarian, who is a YouTuber who does makeup um, and she yes. covers true crime, which is where I originally found it. Um, and it's one of my favorite stories. I think now she actually has an Aqua Tofana makeup line. Uh, so I yeah, um, nail polish. Yeah, yeah nail polish. That's nail polish line too. Yep. Yeah. So she's my favorite. So yeah. I, I, as soon as I saw what case you yep. we were doing, I was like, yes. Yes. It's, it's a really interesting case. Um, and just it to is. kind of briefly go through it, but um, it's about a woman named Julia Tofana, um, who was one of the most successful serial killers. And I think it's something to, to point out and something we've kind of talked about Aaron as well. Um, Statistically, most serial killers are men. So it's really interesting to see um, such a, a woman, um, especially during the 17th century, to have gotten away with so many uh, people that, that got killed. Um, so essentially, she um, started a concoction called Aqua Tefana, which was a deadly concoction of arsenic, lead, and belladonna. And um, belladonna is something that is actually used, was used in cosmetic companies um, to dilate women's pupils. Um, and I guess at the time that was seen as very attractive, something that's maybe not seen as very attractive <laughs> now, uh, but that was interesting. Um, and then arsenic and lead was actually very common in facial powders. Um, and so it, it was poisonous, um, but it was kind of disguised as this makeup or skincare product um, that women had on their vanity. So it, it blended in really well, um, didn't give kind of any clue to anyone that it was something that could poison their husband. Um, and just some kind of background in general of the 17th century, um, a lot of women, as we know, were auctioned off uh, kind of like objects essentially into very abusive marriages. And they didn't really have many options. Um, it's not like a woman now who can have a full career and, you know, have a job. Um, she was pretty much, you had to get married, you either had to stay single, and a lot of them relied on sex work to survive, um, or the third option was to become a very well-respected and well-off widow, uh, which aligns very well with Aqua Tofana, as we know. Um, so some background on Julia Tofana. Her mom, uh, I, I might butcher her name, but I think it's Sofania D'Amato, 
um, actually was executed for the murder of her husband and uh, the alleged weapon of choice was poison. Um, and so this is kind of where it all started really for Julia. Um, they say that the recipe for Aquatofana actually came from her mother, possibly. They don't know 100%, uh, but she was also really involved in apothecaries and kind of got really good at making her own drugs and medicines. Um, but they say that the poison might have been given down as a recipe from her mom. Um, and could have been the poison that actually killed her father, uh, which is a little like traumatic. A, like a family, like cookie recipe. Yeah, it, passed down? Uh, a lot of people wow. said that they they uh, <laughs> they compared it to a family cookie recipe, but just a little different. Um, but yeah, so Julia Tafana actually became a widow, just like her mom, and she moved with her daughter uh, to Naples and then Rome. Um, and kind of following in her mom's footsteps, uh, she began to use this recipe. She had a makeup company, um, and she started to sell this lethal concoction under the name of Aqua Tafana. Um, she had the help of her daughter, a lot of women. Um, they also say that a local priest actually helped her as well, um, kind of network, uh, but that wasn't confirmed because it happened so long ago. Um, a lot of things are kind of still a mystery. Um, but they say that he actually supplied the arsenic for the poison and that her and her colleagues disguised it, obviously, as a cosmetic for um, their customers. And so from what I know, um, you know, you kind of had to go through a few questions and make sure that you were, I think it was that you were actually referred to a list, um, to from the list of women that actually had already gotten the poison. Uh, but essentially, you just needed a few drops in um, your husband's soup or whatever it was. It was colorless and tasteless, um, so they had no idea. And it was kind of a um, traumatic death. It happened over the course of a couple of days. You continued to give him one or two drops. Um, he would start to feel fatigued, and then he would have stomach pain and slowly, slowly die. Uh, the good thing for the, for the women were that um, it allowed the men to have time to really put their will and all of their paperwork in order so that when he did pass away, um, they would be in a comfortable financial situation. Um, so something I'd like to kind of ask you guys and have your thoughts on, because I kind of went back and forth on this, and I feel like a lot of people do. I kind of see, like, I'm not saying that this is a good thing that happened, because she did kill over 600 men. Um, but, cow. yeah, it's mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and this happened for about 20 years. And so wow. I, I think it's interesting, because she really did help a lot of women come out of abusive relationships where they could have possibly actually been killed. Um, I'm not condoning it, but I just think, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you see that as like a, an it's like vigilante <laughs> justice? Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's genius. Um, yeah. But crazy. Yeah. It's, it's very crazy. crazy. Yeah. And sort the of like an angel of death or something, you know? Yeah. If you just kind of, you're trying to be a good guy, but it's not coming off the best way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, for her to go so long for, what, 20, 30 years and not to get caught, I mean, she was then executed, and so was her daughter, as well as um, her colleagues. So that's, again, pretty awful. Very similar to her mom. Um, but I, I, a part of me feels like she was trying to help these women. Um, yeah. Maybe that's just me trying to be, you know, being a good person and seeing the good in someone else. Um, right. But, I mean, it, yeah, it was awful. But I don't know. The... I go back and forth. I really am mixed yeah, on how I, I can feel see it. I can see how you would. Like, yeah. Yeah. If, I totally get if it. If it was a person who was in an abusive relationship, right. then I don't really feel that bad for him, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, if you're just kind of 
giving it out to anybody you don't know if that woman is telling the truth right she could just want yeah. to kill her husband. that's a lot of abuse to women i mean right. i get it the times and yeah. everything but uh that's a lot of people yeah well and, and that's that's one thing they talked about too was that it again it was what i talked about before the three options you were either married or single or you were a well-off widow so a lot of people actually just wanted to kill their husbands just right. so that they could be you know single and and have his his estate or his fortune or whatever yeah. it was something interesting that i read and we don't know if this is 100 percent true um but famous composer mozart actually fell ill at the age of 35 and he actually, in his as he was about to die, uh, made a statement that he thought he was poisoned and he thought it was aqua tofana. Um, that oh, wow. is not confirmed, oh. but I think that's really interesting. Was he married? Uh, yeah. I, I didn't look into it. I think I he was. Think, I don't think he was. Okay. I had a music class once and <laughs> I had to watch this whole movie about him. And I'm pretty sure he was just like a a sleazy single guy who got okay. around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but either way. <laughs> But interest. I mean, it's interesting, and and that would have fallen yeah. in that in that time. So I think that's really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I'd love for you guys to kind of talk about again going back to uh, the stat that most serial killers are men. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that, or or having uh, dived into so many different cases? Like, what is your your kind of feedback on that? Um, I, I yeah definitely ahead. have seen <laughs> the same. Um, yeah. But maybe women just aren't getting caught. Yeah. <laughs> women That's are true. smarter than men. No yeah. offense, Erin. But... <laughs> no, no, it um, is a thousand percent true. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that. I just think that they can definitely get away with it easier yeah. than men do. Or men just slip up more, you know? They want to either tell a friend or, you know. Do it not, again. Yeah, do the it again. Day. Yeah. Not clean up good, you know, whatever it might be. I mean, we all know men can't clean, so. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I always you thought, know, you know, I, I always, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> I think it also has a lot to do with just the fact that men get angry and, and yes. enact their anger in different ways than women do. Women yeah. will hold a grudge forever. They will ignore yeah. you until the end of time, but usually they're not going to lay a hand on you. Right. Well, yes. and we also, I don't know how it was back then, but you have so many centuries of women being like so oppressed and treated as like at the hand of men that eventually for a lot of women, like, and even before social media and like, you know, all the communication tools that we have now, there really was only one narrative that like women knew. And like, you have to think back then in that mindset, like how mentally hard, how mentally hard would you have to be pushed to be able to, and have, connections to talk to to break out of you know an abusive relationship or the, the idea that you know I have to live my life this one certain way and there's no other options like it is a, I wouldn't say it's completely changed now because there's still a lot of that that happens in society but like going back then it was there's one path and there's one story that yeah. gets told for women and if you are women in that time like you really have to be pushed and you have to like really connect dots over a long period of time to get to that point where you can go, no, like I can have ownership over myself and you know what happens in my life. Yeah, um, right. Definitely. Yeah. So mm -hmm. women now are less likely <laughs> to kill, I guess, because yeah. they can just leave. 
Exactly. And men just they can't have control it. their rage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I also think it's interesting to point out, like, her mom had a very similar path, right? Like, they essentially both um, were executed, and so was her granddaughter. So I think it's interesting, or her mom's granddaughter, but I think it's interesting to point out if maybe she had a different childhood or maybe her mom hadn't done that, maybe she wouldn't have ever done this. I mean, I know she was interested in apothecaries and kind of that world, uh, but I don't know if it was her childhood or maybe just seeing her mom kind of go through that. I don't know. Was she married? She was married and then she was a widow. I I couldn't find if she killed her own husband. Mm. A part of me assumes that she possibly would have, (laughs) Um, especially if you're running such a big uh, business, you know, I'm I'm sure she did. But... um, but she was a widow as well. And so to see your mom kind of go through that. And I don't know, for me personally, if I saw my mom be executed for killing my dad, I wouldn't do it. But I yeah. think it did influence her a lot. Sure. Yeah, I agree. And if she did kill her husband and for, I don't know if I'd call it good reason, but for, you know, vigilante justice type reasons, <laughs> then I think that would add to it. Um, you know, she sees her husband or her mother had to do it with her father. She had to do it with her husband. Surely there's other women who need this from her. Yeah, and Ilana, you and I were talking yesterday about how a lot of crime and like behaviors that we end up doing in our life, it's so hugely modeled based off of our childhoods and what we see our parents do. Like people completely underestimate how much we learn from what we see as we grow up. Um, and how big a role genetics plays in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how, like, you kind of, even if you don't consciously choose, you know, in your life to follow in the footsteps of your parents, subconsciously, that, like, push to go down whatever path that was, is, it's really strong. Um, and there's yeah. no way to, like, quantify it, but it happens all the time. You see kids that grow up and end up, like making a big life decision or going down a bad path that their parents, whether it's murder, drugs, like burglary, things like that, divorce, um, it really plays a huge role. Um, the, the thing that's interesting for me about this story, we've never had our oldest story is, I don't know, maybe from 40 years ago that we did with Murder, Murder News. Um, but this is one of those stories that gets passed down and told so many times like who knows how many true iterations of a story like this there are and how people along the way have added elements and people's memory we've talked about memory before how like inaccurate memory can be yeah even like Mm -hmm. someone witnesses a murder and then two days later they you know give their account to detectives and it ends up being 95 percent of it is like just kind of made up in your head yeah. Um, our, our brain does that. It fills in gaps with like information we've known and seen before and information we think is true and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So who really knows what the original story is? Because this seems right. to me like one of those things where maybe there are parts of it that are factual and then there's yeah. bigger elements that we tell that have just been added in by memory or by you know people like us telling the story. Yeah. Right. right. We could say oh, it was 5,000 men right. and then, you know, we go viral or something or basic murder <laughs> makes us pop off and then <laughs> you know, that gets added into the story. And then in the year 3,000, that's being told. So, right. Yeah. Very really, true. You know? 
I think it's interesting that she went so long without getting caught. I mean, I know she got caught because a woman um, felt guilty after she put a few drops in her husband's soup and then didn't let him eat that. Um, and he ended up abusing her until she told uh, where she got it from and who gave it to oh, her. Wow. Um, and then she was tortured by authorities as well. And so for her to go almost 20 years um, without kind of being seen and uncovered, I mean, that's a long time. I mean, we, yeah. I know there wasn't really technology then to kind of see that someone was poisoned, but I just feel like at some point some woman would have slipped up. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know. I feel like if I was involved, I would probably slip up accidentally or someone would have yeah. done something. So I think that's pretty crazy that she went for so long and no one... I mean, she had a really tight community that didn't say anything. Yeah, definitely. It almost seems to me kind of like culty, mm -hmm. uh, especially yeah. mm -hmm. with how many women there were and how many murders there appear to have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of culty. It's almost like like a, an MLM, like a pyramid scheme. Like, <laughs> yes. It yeah. starts with one and then it kind of <laughs> trickles down that the pyramid with the yes. poisoning. Like. <laughs> Join us. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to close out the story with, Ioana? I don't think so. Um, I think it's just really interesting. Take a look at it. Um, something else that I thought was interesting and something that Bailey uh, Sarian pointed out was that it there actually are no por portraits of this woman, which I think is interesting. Um, for whatever yeah. reason, there aren't any. Um, not that that's really relevant to the story, but I think it just adds to the fact that, you know, a lot of things are still a mystery with this story. Um, but, yeah, I think that's everything I have I like for that. It. I think we should yeah. do another old story again. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting mm -hmm. to see back then, too, um, how people got away with it and kind of what what they did compared to now, because now technology is so different. Um, I would say it's pretty hard to get away with murder now, but... I don't know. Maybe that's just me being naive. And you know. I think I think you're right. I think it's yeah. hard unless you know the right people. Right. You know? Absolutely. Well, uh, Kelsey and Sierra, thank you so much for taking time to uh, talk with us. Can you please tell listeners where they can find you online and you know how they can find your podcast? Um, well, our podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Basic Murder Babes. We also have a website. It is basicmbpodcast.wixsite.com slash babes. And then we have a Facebook group called Basic Murder Fans, an Instagram account, which is basic underscore murder underscore babes, and a Twitter account at Basic Murder Babe. Awesome. And everyone, if you love our content on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, definitely give them a follow on their platforms. Um, we have very similar styles of content, I would say. Um, and again, we totally love uh, when best friends are involved in creating something great. So again, Kelsey, Sierra, Basic Murder Babes, thank you so thank much you for guys. joining us. And hopefully, thank you. Um, Kelsey, good luck in your future career endeavors. And Sierra, thank you. we look forward to uh, keeping you in the podcast world and, and seeing, you know, how you continue to make it grow. Awesome. Thank you guys Thanks, so much guys. for having us. We appreciate it. This is Sip With Me News. I'm Erin Carlson. And I'm Ioana Kekados. 
Here are the things you need to know from this week's headlines. President Trump's personal attorney tested positive for COVID-19 this weekend on the heels of continued lawsuits and claims of widespread voter fraud in key states that gave Joe Biden the presidency. Mr. Giuliani, the former mayor of New York, was admitted to the hospital on Sunday and claims to be in good health. Arizona lawmakers will suspend their work this week as Mr. Giuliani had spent over 10 hours in the state capitol testifying in front of lawmakers and lobbying Arizona Republicans, often without a mask or social distancing. It is another blow to the president's strategy of downplaying and ignoring the virus as the country continues to see record hospitalizations and over 2,000 deaths per day. More than 200,000 were left without power Sunday in Maine after a nasty winter storm traveled north this weekend. Much of New England was blanketed with heavy white snow overnight as the season's first storm blew through. In Provincetown on the tip of Cape Cod, a 90-mile-per-hour gust was recorded and much of Massachusetts saw high winds of around 60 to 70 miles per hour. The storm made roads slippery and caused two major accidents on Rhode Island's highways. And per ABC News, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro's Socialist Party was poised to gain control of the National Assembly, the country's last major independent institution, in congressional elections boycotted by the main opposition coalition. Official results had not yet been released by late Sunday night, but analysts, they say, are a near-forgone conclusion, with the vote largely shunned by rival candidates and declared a sham by the U.S., European Union, and several other free nations. Maduro, who already has the loyalty of the courts, the military, prosecutors, and other institutions in the country, is expected to load the formerly opposition-controlled National Assembly with his supporters after the vote. Shifting to something a little more festive, the U.S. Postal Service will digitize letters and gift wish lists sent to Kris Kringle so special elves can send Christmas presents to children and families in need. The mail agency's program, aptly dubbed Operation Santa, allows children and families to write letters to Father Christmas, which will then be processed and shared online at uspsoperationsanta.com beginning December 4th. According to the USPS, the campaign first started in the early 1900s when the Postal Service started receiving letters to Santa Claus. Those who'd like to mail a letter to Santa can send it in an envelope with a first-class stamp addressed to Santa Claus at his mailing address. Letters received before December 15th will be uploaded and made available for adoption, though the sooner a letter is received, the more likely it is to be answered. And those are your headlines for the week. Be sure to tune in next week for the news you need to know now. Thanks for listening to Sip With Me with Ioana and Erin. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, sipwithme.org. There you can find our recently released cocktail book as well as other exciting Sip With Me content. And if you love our podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at sipwithme underscore. Join us next week with the hosts of the Women in Crime podcast. We'll hear about their show, which explores causes of female crime, victimization, and how women fare in our justice system.